and welcome to EDA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. My name is Cecilia Hamelovetsche and I'm the Managing Director of EDA. Today's guest is Alex Sjerduk, who's the CEO and co-founder of Respeacher. Welcome, Alex. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Hi, Cecilia. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself, your background and Respeacher. Yeah, uh, I'm Alex. I'm 34. Uh, uh, my background is um, in business development mostly, and uh, more than four years ago, we started Respeacher with my partners, Grant Reber and Mitro Bielevtsov, with the goal to make the best possible synthetic speech. And now, what, what should we all know about Respeacher? Um, you guys are located in Ukraine. Uh, what, can you, what can you kind of tell me about you guys? Uh, I mean, uh, you might have heard our work in quite a few big productions. Uh, one of them would be The Mandalorian, where we did the voice of young Luke Skywalker. Uh, another one would be Super Bowl opening in 2021, when we did the voice of Vince Lombardi with Digital Domain, 72 and Sunny, and NFL. Um, also, we did some work for Book of Boba Fett, and just recently been credited in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, as well as we have plenty of other projects of different scale, but those might be the most recognizable. Yeah, okay. So um, as many may know, uh, Respeacher is based in Ukraine, as I just mentioned, and uh, you guys continue to operate during this difficult time and have actually launched a really interesting campaign called Speak Ukrainian to encourage uh, the international community to keep Ukraine high on the international agenda. Tell us a little bit about um, the concept, how you came up with it, you know, what is the feedback you received from it? Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of our technology is to enable a human to speak in the voice of another particular human. And during during the process of development of this technology, we've been exploring different use cases. And one of those use cases uh, we call internally cross-lingual voice conversion. That means that if we introduce to our system someone's voice uh, in one language, we can actually enable a speaker of another language to be able to speak uh, and convert their speech into the voice we trained on. So basically we can enable Tom Hanks speak perfect Ukrainian. Uh, and having that we have the technology in our acquaintance, uh, we decided to launch this initiative, uh, pro bono obviously program, where we call famous people, celebrities, um, to speak to Ukrainians. Uh, and it, it has quite a few important things for us as Ukrainians. First of all, um, we want to bring more attention to Ukraine. And we started doing this from the first day or days of full-blown invasion. Um, the second uh, thing, we want to enable people who have something to say to Ukrainians, to our 44 million nation that stands as, as one uh, in front of this existential threat that Russia um, put in place. Um, we want those people to be able to speak to Ukrainians, to uh, convey their message to Ukrainians. And the best way to do that would be in our language. And the third reason 
our language, Ukrainian language, has been a target for Russian filthy attacks for many centuries. So they tried to destroy us as a nation, uh, and uh, that was that was a thing that they, uh, the aspect of our nation that they uh, tried to, to to destroy in full. So it it was not legal to speak in Ukrainian for quite a while, um, and showing that level of support from people Ukrainians know is is very, very much appreciated as we saw in the projects we already did. So we did a few projects with actors from uh, The Orange is the New Black, uh, Abby Savage. Uh, we did the voice of May Musk, um, a famous voice actress, Sengan Gutsa, just recently joined it. Uh, and we now have two big celebrities uh, we, we process through, through the system for this program. That's a really great initiative. I hope uh, the campaign will uh, continue to be successful and keep Ukraine uh, high on the international agenda. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about perhaps your most well-known project, as you mentioned yourself as well. Uh, Respeacher uh, synthesized the younger Luke Skywalker's voice for Disney Plus, uh, The Mandalorian. You've also been credited in the book of Boba Fett and just recently in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. How challenging was this journey and uh, what does this mean for the future of voice cloning in Hollywood? Yeah, I mean, when we just started um, as a concept, and that has has been even before we started a company, uh, we understood that you can synthesize a voice, but in order to synthesize a voice on that level of quality where it would go through PKS sound engineers and Hollywood studios, um, is extremely hard, has been extremely hard back then. And we thought that it's it's a great challenge to try uh, because if we achieve the bore of quality that is acceptable for high-profile projects, that means that first we, we are able to prove that you can synthesize a voice on that level of quality. like So it would sound like it was recorded just yesterday. But also that's a, a market that opens quite a few great opportunities of applying technology to scale voices, to uh, have more creative opportunities when you're doing projects, to even de-age and resurrect voices. Um, regarding those particular projects you mentioned, yeah, the Luke Skywalker case was quite, quite a project. So we had to work with data that was recorded uh, 30, 40 years ago and this data was from different sources. Uh, so we had recordings of Mark Hamill, young Mark Hamill, uh, on tape from audiobooks. We had some ADR sessions. We had some um, some recordings where he did uh, voiceover for a video game. And all those recordings, they have had some issues because back then uh, the quality, the level how you record audio was was very different from what we we have now. And our main challenge here was to make a synthesized voice of Mark Hamill, of young Luke Skywalker, uh, on that level where you you would, wouldn't be able to distinguish. And we are proud that we were able to achieve that in terms of quality of files we provide to Lucasfilm uh, for Mandalorian, for example, because this scene when young Luke Skywalker appeared was the major 
scene in the season two, and no one actually expected uh, Luke to appear there. And after that, we remained silent uh, before John Favreau himself and the Sky Sound team revealed that the voice of Luke Skywalker has been completely synthesized in the movie. And during this time, before they told about synthesizing the voice, no one actually questioned it. So it's, it means that the work that we did was, was good. And how do you think uh, that technology that was used in uh, The Mandalorian, which you know, might be considered a little more of a spectral, special effect, may be used in dubbing? Yeah, we actually start applying our technology for dubbing and localization industry. And uh, I mean, for a couple of years uh, since we developed the first prototype, uh, we were not able to go on that scale that dubbing requires, as well as uh, we had some issues with mistakes our models used to make. So we had to be focused on projects where you can take many takes for each line and play around with technology and have plenty of time to do that, uh, like feature films or TV films or animation project projects. But now our technology be became quite scalable and flexible. And uh, essentially what we provide, we enable one human to speak in the voice in, in different voices. So one human can speak in 100 voices as well as uh, other people, many people can speak in one particular voice that, for, for instance, meets very significant demand. And that means for dubbing and localization industry that uh, allocation of work between voice sectors uh, can be better. So people who voice over main characters might not be able to work more than 24-7, right? Because their physical abilities are limited. Uh, so some part of their work could be covered by other actors who have not been casted for the main character, as well as uh, if you talk about sexual minorities or ethnical minorities, it's uh, often quite hard to cast a particular representative of a minority group in a particular region. And in our case, if you're lucky enough to find a representative of this particular ethnical or sexual min minority in, uh, in the country, uh, and you're lucky enough to have them as a voice actor so they have enough skills, you can enable them to speak in different voices. And that means that your casting abilities and uh, your ability to convey um, the ethical approach to, uh, to voiceover remains. Uh, and another big and interesting use case we have for dubbing and localization at the moment is enabling uh, original actors' voices to sound in whatever language we need them to sound. So that means that we, uh, if we dub an, a content that's voiceovered by Tom Hanks, uh, he can sound in, he can speak in German, he can speak in Ukrainian. Uh, and this original choice, original cast can be, can wait, uh, as well as uh, the quality of performance would still be taken from a human, from a real human professional voice actor who would be native speaker of the language we convert into. Right. So um, how far are we from hearing our favorite actor in their original voice in different languages? 
what's the uh, actual progression is going to be and what do you think the timeline will look like? We are already in the process of delivering uh, such projects. Um, you might have seen recently, we did a very interesting collaboration with Ella Black, the singer uh, who did a tribute to his friend Avicii. And the whole idea was to make him sing in five different languages. And we enabled Ella to sing this song, Wake Me Up, um, in in different languages seamlessly. Uh, so there are already examples of high-quality cross-lingual voice conversion. And talking about some particular localization projects, they're in works. So it's a matter of months uh, until the projects are released and we can, we can talk about them. Um, what's your, um, what do you think when we're talking about... Uh big projects like uh, that's going to go to the movies or, you know, um, any of the big content owners, uh, what do you think the timeline may look like or, or do you think we'll get there? Yeah, I mean, currently our technology uh, is applied, is being used in TV industry, in uh, feature film industry, in animation, uh, in video games. Uh, it starts being used in, the, in dubbing and localization on scale and I mean, the question of scale, how massively it would be used, is an open question because uh, with a high-quality voice conversion, you still need professional voice actors to drive the technology, to produce the content. And I would assume that a big chunk of the content that's being voiceovered would go through the system of voice conversion, voice cloning, uh, because of those factors of scalability and, and additional flexibility, better allocation of work, as I mentioned before. And seems big dubbing and localization players are starting to adopt this concept. And that's more a question of integrating existing technologies in uh, the workflows. Uh, and this this like a year or so, and I would assume that industry leaders in diving and localization, for instance, would be using the technology for, uh, for most of the work they're doing. And uh, do you think that, you know, new actors, as they get introduced to audiences, would want to use their original voice in different languages? So how do you see that? Yeah, it really depends on the case, on the project. So in many, in many cases, uh, the voice is recognizable, even even though the uh, celebrity or actor, they don't speak uh, the language of their audience. Like in Ukraine, we know voices, original voices of Tom Hanks, for instance. Uh, so we, we would recognize it. Um, and in, in that cases, uh, they, they're, they're willing to increase uh, their, their IP to different languages. In some cases, it... It doesn't matter much if voice is not very much recognizable and you can cast better actor in terms of resonating with the character and the audience. That that makes sense. And then uh, the, uh, there is no place for technology to be applied. And do you think that um, original actors using their own voice in other languages will end up being uh, cheaper or more expensive? Or do you have a good sense of that? Uh it's really hard to say because, uh, look, you can speak 
one to two languages uh, as an actor. You can speak up to 10 languages, but there is very small amount of actors who can do that, but you cannot cover 30, 50 languages. So you physically is not able to, to deliver uh, voiceover in all those languages, as well as you obviously wouldn't have time if you're, you're a famous actor. Uh, so technology is enabler here, and that's uh, not about cost reduction, uh, I would say. It's more about building a unique experience. Uh, so when you listen to a particular piece that has been created in, say, Korean language, like you see a movie, Korean movie on, uh, on Netflix, uh, it would be dubbed with the voices that originally have been casted by director of this movie and their team, and that would deliver way more full experience for for audience but frankly i don't see this being a major use case for dubbing and localization because dubbing and localization would still uh, be using local actors and some voices of those local actors are are in good fit for particular characters uh, we would just provide technology to have them ability to choose those voices uh, from a wider range. So for instance, we have a voice library with 100 voices. And that means that if you have 10 full-time um, voice actors, employees who voice over the content on daily basis, you're not limited to their voices. Uh, you, you're not limited to voices at all. You can use, you can enable any of your actors to speak with any voice, with any timber you need. And do... Um... Do you anticipate that there may be uh, quality issues in the future uh, where not all engines will be built the same and one or two companies maybe end up with a better voice profile than others, you know, in particular for specific actors? You know, you mentioned Tom Hanks, for instance. Uh, yeah, I mean, there would obviously be competition, right? And technology itself becomes a commodity and the technology on the stage where our technology is, would, would be a commodity within three, four years. Uh, and that's, that's a normal progress. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to predict, uh, but there would be more players and they would be competing with each other in terms of quality, speed of delivery, price, of course. Uh, the market is just developing and the adoption of the technology in terms of where it is on adoption curve, it's in, in the very beginning. So we'll see uh, because uh, we might be one of the first players who provide those use cases on the, that level of quality. And... Uh, uh, with the industry leaders, with the companies we start integrate, uh, we'll find out what, uh, what would be business models, how they would look like, how uh, particular workflows would look like. Uh, we would find some weak spots, we would solve those problems, and then it would frame into some, some kinds of industry standards. And once industry standards are being created, usually by that time, uh, there are few leaders in the space that compete with each other. And competition is great because uh, it directly affects the quality of the end product in media. So we're running out of time. Uh, so I want to switch gears a little bit again and talk about uh, research. Have you seen any exciting research in the space or is there any research on its way that you're excited about? Uh, we are quite excited about some research we are doing right now with uh, 
uh, healthcare patients uh, with, with within our healthcare direction with patients that are um, that lost their ability to speak, but they still can't speak, like patients with laryngectomy, uh, patients who went through uh, throat cancer and have TEP. Um, and we try to apply our technology um, in very bold manner, just use their existing voice that sounds not, not that good and hard, hard to actually understand what exactly they're saying. Um, and we, we just applied our technology and convert their voice on the fly with our real-time system into a better voice. And we, we see that the quality, the, the level of how, how you can understand what they're saying uh, is, is very, very different from what they can produce with their current um, limitations. Uh, and we started to talk to industry and we... Uh, connected to some research institutes, uh, institutions, and we see that it's quite a significant problem that's, uh, that uh, researchers try to solve. And it seems that technology like ours is a great fit. And I'm personally extremely excited about all this healthcare direction we currently have at Respeacher because it has always been a dream of ours to enable people who are losing their ability to speak or not able to communicate properly, uh, just enable them improving their quality of life. Yeah, that sounds really amazing and a, a really good cause. Alex, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Cecil. Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.